0: Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, may that be our prayer today. That the deepest desires of our heart would be to pursue you. To pursue you with all of our lives. Knowing, Lord, that you want us to. and you joyfully reveal yourself to us. Lord, let us pursue you. And even now, Lord, let us pursue you in your word. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, as we continue the story of Abraham and his journey of faith, and hopefully we can see our own journey of faith as we follow the life of Abraham. Genesis chapter 16, last week we looked at the Abrahamic covenant, and remember God had called Abram, he's not Abraham yet, he's still Abram. He called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldeans, And brought him to the land of Canaan, a plan that he promises to give to his offspring after him. And so Abram has been faithful and he's come here seeking God, pursuing God, the God who pursued him. So Abraham is here and then last week God came and he made a covenant with Abraham promising him protection, uh, provision, a place and a people. And so now this week, as we continue the story, we see Abraham coming to a time of decision of what to do. So if you found your place there in Genesis chapter 16, stand with me, if you will, in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go in to my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan. Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar. "'The Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. "'And he went in to Hagar, and she conceived. "'And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. "'And Sarai said to Abram, "'May the wrong done to me be on you. "'I gave you, my servant, to your embrace.' And when you saw that, when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. Then Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the Way to Shur And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from my mistress Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, Return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring, so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant. here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore, the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. It lies between Kadesh and Beard. And Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram called the name of his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was eighty six years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. We all have a decision to make each and every day. A decision of of how we will live how we will live in our community, how we will live out our lives, how we will work, how we will play, how we will do all kinds of things. Now, the mantra of man, of mankind, is typically like the old Frank Sinatra song. I took some blows, (laughs) the record shows, but I did it what? My way. My way. And and that's the way that... Human beings are. We want to do it our way. We live for us. Who cares what anybody else thinks? I want to live for me. It's all about me and my goals, my dreams. I want to do it my way. But the problem with my way is that my way is man's way and not God's way. And so every day we get up, we have to answer that question. How am I going to live? Am I going to live man's way? Or am I going to live God's way? That was even a, a question that was posed to Abram. Even after this, this uh, episode. You remember, last week we talked about the covenant. The covenant God made with Abram. And Abram, God came to Abram. He made this uh, unconditional covenant with Abram. He said, Abram, I brought you out of your land. I brought you to this land, the land of Canaan. And I promise you, I promise you protection. I will be your shield. I promise you provision as I will be your great reward. I promise you a people. And I promise you a place. And all of this hinges upon the seed the seed, the seed that God had already talked about, through your seed, your offspring, singular, to all the nations of the earth be blessed. See, all of these blessings that God had promised to Abram, it hinges upon the seed. But now Abram had a problem. Abram had a big problem. Abram was, it was in his 80s. <laughs> Sarai was in her 80s, and God hadn't provided an offspring. And typically, at that point in time, uh, Sarai was past the age of, of bearing children. What are we going to do? God has promised an offspring, a seed, who will come from Abram, who will fulfill the blessings of God what in the world shall we do and here sarai comes up with a solution sarai comes up with a solution so the first thing that we see here in this passage passage is sarai's proposition (laughs) sarai's proposition or sarai's proposal perhaps we should call this sarai's indecent proposal right Sarah has a way to overcome, to see the promise of God fulfilled for Abram. He Abram, I'm well past the age of bearing children, but you know what? I have Hagar. This Hagar, this slave that I picked up uh, back there in Egypt, yeah, I have Hagar. Why don't you take Hagar to be a wife? Maybe God will bless you through Hagar, and through Hagar I will be honored. You see, it was kind of a dishonor for women, a shameful thing if they were not able to bear children. So here Sarai is in her 80s, not having not bared a child, and she feels a bit of shame. And so she says, Well, maybe through Hagar, maybe through Hagar, God will honor me and God will remove this shame from me. Now you see, this was man's way. This was man's way of doing it. Uh, this sounds kind of strange to us in, in some ways. Oh, we, we have the idea of surrogate mothers here, but uh, in this capacity it's a, a little strange to us. But it wasn't to Abram and Sarai. You see, if you go back and you research documents that date back in that age, you see that this was a common practice among the peoples of the world. If a husband had a wife who did not bear him children, he could just simply take another wife. If the wife had a servant, she could give that servant to her husband, and through the, that, that servant, then the family could bear children. This was the world's way. By the way, we see this again in Jacob, right? Both of Jacob's wives, because <laughs> he married two, uh, once they were not able to bear or quit bearing children, they gave Jacob their servants to bear him more children. So this was a common practice, but this was man's solution. This was man's solution. This was man's way of doing things. This was not God's way. This was not God's way. From the very beginning, and Jesus makes this very same argument, from the very beginning God made them male and female. And in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, when God institutes the, uh, the institution of marriage, he says, "Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh." It doesn't say, doesn't say that that man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wives. That's important because God is always clear. It was wife when he looked at Adam and saw Adam there uh, alone. He said, it's not right for man to be alone, so I will make for him a wife. (laughs) He made him one wife, not two, not ten. But to have multiple wives, that was a perversion of the blessing of God. And we see that come about. We don't see it come about until a few chapters later in Genesis, Genesis chapter 4. Verse 19, we see one of the sons of Cain, Lamech, who takes two wives. The Bible clearly points that out. He takes two wives. And he was also the second murderer that the Bible records for us. In fact, he goes into his two wives and he brags to them, look, I have killed a man. So God said, curse be anyone who lays a hand upon Uh, Cain for his murder but let it be 70 times so for me he's bragging about he committed murder to his wives so this was not a good man this is not a person that that the Bible is putting up as a a role model for us at all and it very clearly points out that this was the first one to take two wives he does it my way this is a man's way and Abram and Sarai decide to do it man's way instead of God's way. This is also an allusion. This, this whole passage here gives allusion back to the whole garden narrative. There in chapter three, or yes, chapter three of Genesis, it, it points us back to our first fathers. The, the writer here he wants to. Do, this is intentional. Notice what it says of of Sarai, how it's phrased here. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to her husband, to Abram, her husband, as a wife. Now, let me flip back to Genesis chapter 3. And just read this for you, because I want you to see this. This is very intentional, and this was common. They would use these phrases to kind of point you back to another place in Scripture that was foundational to the story. Notice what it says in chapter 3, verse 6 of of Genesis. And this is recording the fall of man. So, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. You see, you see that same kind of language. Eve took and gave to uh, to Adam. And the outcome was that man did it their way, man's way, instead of God's way, and drug all of mankind into sin and rebellion against God. And now, the writer of Genesis says, now look, here's Abram. (laughs) The hope, the promise of God. Hope of redemption. And Abram and Sarah, like Adam and Eve, Sarai took Hagar and gave her to her husband. See, it's pointing us back. And it's showing us that this Abram, he's just a man. He's just a man. And Abram cannot deliver us from sin because Abram is a sinner. Abram, he sins against God by doing this act. Instead of doing it God's way, instead of trusting in God's promise, Abram says, we'll take matters into our own hands and he did it man's way. But let me be clear, friend. Just like was the case when Adam took the fruit from Eve, and when Abram took Hagar from Sarai, when we decide to do things man's way instead of God's way, it is high treason against God. There's no way other to explain it. When we choose man's ways instead of God's way, we're saying, God, I don't believe you. I don't trust you. You can't fulfill what you've promised. I'm going to do it my way. Because I trust in my way better. It's high treason. And the penalty for high treason is Death. Dear friend, when when we choose to do things man's way over God's way, we commit high treason. When we choose to do things man's way over God's way, we commit high treason. We, just like Abram, just like Adam and Eve, we commit high treason. We rebel against the authority of a sovereign God. And when we look at our world today, when we look at how we do things, how things flow, think about this. Premarital sex is no big deal in our society. You, I even hear Christians talk about, well, it's no big deal. Kids are going to be kids. They're going to do it. But why should we worry about that? Let's make sure they have all the birth control that they need and and have that protection. And just let them go. Let them experiment. Let them have fun. They're going to do it anyway. See, that's man's way. That's not God's way. What about cohabitation? I mean, there's a majority of people, it seems like, who, who tried out first. Oh, let's move in together. Let's try it out, and then, and then maybe, maybe it all, if all works out, then we'll we'll go ahead and get hitched. We'll get married. And a lot of people nowadays see no big deal about that. It's no big deal. Oh well, that's just the way of the, the way of the day, right? The way of the world. Exactly. It's the way of the world. It's doing things man's way instead of God's way. And that is high treason against God. Listen, dear friend, it does not matter what the world thinks, what other people think, whether they approve or disapprove. What really matters is what does God think? That's what ought to matter to us. We don't sin (laughs) against the world by doing things God's way. But we sin against God when we do it the world's way. When we choose to do things man's way over God's way, we commit high treason. So Abram and Sarai's decision to try man's way instead of trusting in God's way then it leads to some adverse consequences, to say the least. Some adverse consequences. You see, Sarai finds out quick that instead of a solution to the problem, this ends up threatening her position all the more. Because as soon as Hagar uh, finds out, realizes that she has conceived, she looks upon Sarai with contempt. The home gets broken up. The home gets all messed up because they tried, tried to do it man's way instead of God's way. Adam and, I mean, excuse me, Abram and Sarai begin to fuss and fight with one another. Sarai even begins to blame it on Abram. <laughs> what have you done? Right? What have you done? Again, it sounds like uh, the Garden of Eden, doesn't it? They start blaming one another. It's like in the Garden of Eden when, Adam, uh, when God comes to Adam and says, this woman that you gave to me gave me that fruit and I ate it. They start blaming one another, blaming other people. This becomes a threat to Sarai and her position in the house as now another woman has come in and done what she was unable to do. It's a threat to the, to the family. It brings division and upset within the family. It's a threat to the whole promised seed. seed that God had promised. Now you have this, this rival. God promised a seed. And now you have this rival who is coming up in the family. A threat to the promised seed of God. And this ends with long-lasting adverse consequences as well. Notice the the prophecy that, that God gives Hagar here. Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Did you know the the line of Ishmael moved on after because God did multiply them just like he said. And they moved on and you know where the the line of Ishmael settled? They settled in Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Iraq. The prophet Muhammad of the Islam faith, he traces his his heritage back to Ishmael. And those uh, firm followers of Islam, they hold to the promise of God to Abraham through, not Isaac, but Ishmael. See, all of the conflict that is going on over in the Middle East, it is between the children of promise, the seed of Isaac, and the seed of Ishmael. Abraham's decision to try man's way rather than God's way ended with long-lasting, long-lasting adverse consequences that we are still suffering the effects of today. You see, dear friend, when we choose man's way over God's way, It leads to adverse consequences. It leads to adverse consequences. Let's back up. Think about premarital sex again. It's the world's way. It's the world's way. It's the way the world does it. We should just let it go. It's all right. Just educate them and let them go. No big deal. What happens? What's the consequences of premarital sex? STDs. Since the sexual revolution, the STDs in America has just been out of control. And the more there is premarital sex, guess what? The more they're going to spread. Another long-lasting consequence of, of, uh, of premarital sex, children born out of wedlock. We have more single moms today in our nation than at any other time. It's because of allowing premarital sex and not say, it's no big deal, Mamas are having children out of wedlock and the fathers aren't mature enough to step up and take responsibility. And so we have mothers trying to raise children on their own. And when you start looking at the statistics that that are out there, what takes place, what happens to these children who are being raised in a single-parent home, the statistics show that children born to a single-parent home, children who do not have a a father figure in the home are more likely to be involved in criminal, criminal activity, more likely to get involved in drugs and alcohol, You see, there's lasting consequences to doing it man's way over God's way. What about cohabitation? What about trying it out before you, you get married? No big deal. Everybody does it. Statistics show that uh, people who co- uh, cohabitate before marriage... Are more likely to get divorced after marriage. There's a greater risk of divorce. You see, that's quite opposite of what is being sought after there they want to avoid divorce they want to they want to try it out and if it if it works out then we'll we'll make the commitment but what statistics show when we do it man's way rather than god's way what ends up happening is that there's there's a greater uh, and increased possibility of divorce Dear friends when we do things man's way rather than god's way there are adverse consequences involved. So, what do you do then when you've made those bad decisions? What do you do when you made those bad decisions? Or, or even if you are suffering from someone else's bad decisions? Because those children born in a single parent home, they didn't ask to be born in a single parent home, right? What do you do when you're suffering from the consequences of bad decisions, suffering from the consequences from you or even someone else making that decision to do things man's way instead of doing it God's way? What is the hope? Is there hope? There is hope in God's saving grace. There's hope in God's saving grace. Hagar here, she's. She's a product of a bad choice, right? She's a servant. Sarai gave Abram Hagar. And now she, she is here in the home and being mistreated. She's a product of a bad decision between Sarai and Abram. and She, has to, she runs, she flees to get away from the bad situation. But as she's running, someone comes to her angel of the Lord God comes to her he finds her he says where are you going Where are you going Hagar and notice what notice what she says there at the end verse 13 what does she call the name of the Lord so she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her you are a God of seeing seeing for she said truly Here I have seen him who looks after me. See, dear friend, even when we stray away from God's way, God still loves us. And he sees us in our trouble. And he wants to get us out. He wants to get us out. He wants to help us out of our trouble. He wants to to save us. And so the, the angel of the Lord says to, to Hagar, she, he says here, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where, where, uh, where have you come from and where are you going? She says, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for a multitude. In other words, what the angel of the Lord is coming to to Hagar and saying is, Hagar, don't flee from Abram. But go back to the house of Abram. Attach yourself to the house of Abram for it's through the house of Abram that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Through Abram, through his offspring, Hagar, I will certainly bless you. Think about this angel who comes to her. The angel of the Lord. Who is the angel of the Lord? Who is the angel of the Lord here? Notice that he is not your normal angel. He is not the normal angel. Notice what he says to her. The angel of the Lord, verse 10. The angel of the Lord said, also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring. You notice that? I will surely multiply your offspring. And then when Sarai, she calls on the name of the Lord, she said she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. This angel of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. Dear friends, I propose to you that the angel of the Lord here is the pre-incarnate Christ. We see him appear in other places in Scripture. We see him appear again. Another special time that we see him appear is there to Joshua when they're going into the land of Canaan. And Joshua falls down upon his knees and begins to worship the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord doesn't tell him to stop. The angel receives it. we see the the visible revelation of the Lord, it's always Jesus. This is the pre-incarnate Christ. She's coming to Hagar and she's saying, through the seed you will be blessed. And the same message to Hagar is the same message that we have today. This is Christ is the promised seed of Abram who came and take, took away the sins of the world. He is the one who went to the cross and he paid for Abram and Sarai's sin of, of rebelling against God and, and making this terrible decision of trying to do it man's way instead of God's way. It is Christ who went to the cross. He paid for Adam and Eve's mistake for taking of the forbidden fruit. It is Christ who went to the cross and he paid for your Mistakes, your bad decisions, your decisions to do it your way, man's way, instead of God's way. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we found salvation and hope. So dear friend, when bad choices have wrecked your life, turn to Christ. Turn to Jesus Christ. He will save you. When Hagar had nowhere else to go, the Lord was there. and said, turn to me. Trust me. Do as I say, and I will save you. Today, if you're here and you are, uh, you are suffering from bad choices, you're here and you say, I've, I've committed adultery, I've, I've sinned, I've, I've been involved in premarital sex. I've cohabitated with this person. What do I do? Is there hope? Am I just lost? Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He will save you. Yes, there may still be consequences in this life that you'll have to suffer for, but Christ will save you and He will redeem you and bring you out of your pit. Well, I've committed adultery. I'm addicted to drugs. I'm addicted to alcohol. I've wrecked my life with bad choices. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He alone will save you. He is the promised seed of Abraham through whom all the nations of the earth, all of the peoples of the earth, you and I shall be blessed. Turn to Jesus, O oh, Heavenly Father. We thank You, Lord, that You are a God of seeing. That You see us. When we do ill, You, Lord, You see us. And though we sin against You, Lord God, You look it on, on us Pity and mercy. And as Scripture says, Lord, yet while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord. You could have turned your back upon us and left us in our sin. You could have turned your back on Abram and Sarai and left them to deal with the consequences of, of their decision to do things man's way instead of God's way. The Lord, you loved us. Father God, you sent Jesus to die for us so that we might have eternal life in him. So that we might have redemption in Him. So that we might have transformed new lives in Him. Oh Father, I know today there are some people here who are suffering from bad choices. They're in a pit because of bad choices. Let them see Your light shine today. That they may turn to You find freedom and life. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.